I literally have the microphone like right to my mouth, like <laughs> as close as possible. Mine is balanced on a towel and a bag of chips. <laughs> what kind of chips? Uh, Pocky jalapeno lime. Pocky jalapeno lime. Is it like rice? Mmm. Yeah. I, I would show you, but then my microphone would fall down. Would collapse. Yeah. Would tumble. <laughs> my setup. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, uh, to go to work tonight because we're filming a fashion show. Yeah, I'm located in a different city, <laughs> actually, in the same home as Michael. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wait, isn't that a surprise? No, you're on. You're on right now. You're just, you're, you got no reveal. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you, you've been revealed if if there are listeners right now who are watching the video podcast they definitely know you're here um <laughs> audio podcasters have heard your voice but not your name no um yeah do it let's just get this out of the way okay welcome to the full volume podcast <laughs> i am your host gia jolie that is harvey brent what's up what's up okay cool now on to the real show I'm afraid to go to work tonight because it's a fashion show. Someone's going to say the winner's name. And I'm going to hear it because I'm camera opping, so I always catch side conversations. Oh, especially at a fashion show, no less. Yeah. The gaze walketh among you at fashion shows. <laughs> yeah. And let's just say they'll be there in droves. Uh, is, um, is this at St. Clair College? Yes. It is. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Nice. And Mike, how are you doing? Not bad. Just tired. Um, we worked a long day. What was it? 11 hours or something yesterday? Or I don't know what it was. And then we went out for Mexican food, which was really good at Mi Casita. We tried to go to Acapulco Delight, but it was closed. Where's uh, Where's Mi Casita? I, I should know this. On Wyandotte Street. It's like Wyandotte. Oh. On the other side, like other side of McDonald's, kind of like a few blocks down. Yeah, that's um that I thought that was Mexican. I thought that was El Salvadorian food. They've they are El Salvadorian and they are like they like serve Tex-Mex. Okay, okay. I'm with you. I've been there though. I've been there with Harry. But they have pupusas. So, oh, even Acapulco Delight's technically not Mexican, right? Isn't it Costa Rican or something? Uh. I yes. <laughs> shows my lack of knowledge. Shit. I know that the owners are South American. They're like Asian South American, so And their food is damn good. Yeah. Ooh. Like damn good. But uh no, yeah. Acapulco amazing. Nicasita amazing. Yeah. Food in Windsor, Ontario in general is very good. <laughs> yes. Did you guys go back for Easter? We went to Michigan. Oh we didn't so- go. I mean, it's I have we have to give preference to to Jason's side. He was immigrating for a year, and then COVID hit, and you know borders and stuff. So we we've barely made we have made no trips to Windsor. We've driven through it, but we have not stopped in Windsor um, for a while, just trying to make up for lost time in Michigan. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, okay. but oh man, what what a doozy! What a doozy, losy episode. Speaking, speaking of lost time, here's your lost segue. time. What a doozy uh, episode four of Disney Plus's Moon Knight was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Entitled The Tomb, directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. So this one, I, I'm going to recap it quickly, but I, I just want to put out put out the 
the precursor that the recap isn't actually that long because even though a lot happened in this episode, the actual recap itself is not very long. Like there's not very many beats to the story, but the 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 there'll be probably a ripe amount of conversation within, I feel mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this the the story's uh the episode starts off with Steven and Layla. They they find a deserted campsite near Amit's tomb, which is you know, kind of a hint that first of all, Hera's around. Danger, danger. But they find a maze in the shape of the eye of Horus uh, inside Amit's tomb. Thanks to Steven's, you know, uh, criminally underrated degree in Egyptology. <laughs> um, but while they're exploring this maze, they find that some of Harrow's men have been killed by Egyptian priests. Great creepy makeup effects there and sound effects and, and surprising level of brutality, actually. But yeah. They cool. get attacked by these Egyptian priests. And this this sends Layla off into a chase sequence. We love a good final girl chase sequence. And she's able to defeat the priests. And that's when she encounters Harrow, who spills the tea, so to speak. He spills the tea, sis, that Mark Spector was one of the mercenaries who murdered her father. Yeah. Scandal! The drama this man creates. Unbelievable. So Grant and Spectre, they find the tomb while Layla was off getting chased. But um, Stephen and, and Mark find the tomb and they discover that Amit's last avatar was Alexander the Great, which we'll get into. Amazing. Best Ham- avatar. Ham-fisted, but yes. They retrieve Amit's uh, Ushabti from inside <coughs> Alexander's body down in the throat. And Layla angrily confronts Mark, who reveals that his partner killed Layla's father. Uh, and so Mark knew about it, and Mark himself, before Khonshu revived Mark as his avatar. So Mark actually did technically die before because of his mercenary partner, and uh, that's when Khonshu came in to, to save the day and revive Mark. So that, that's when Stephen Hero arrives, and he shoots Mark in the scuffle around Alexander the Great's uh, sarcophagus there, and then Mark falls into a big puddle of water, and he wakes up at a psychiatric hospital. And this is where, this is the level of meta that I wasn't expecting for the episode. Uh, he wakes up in a psychiatric hospital populated by all the people that have basically appeared in the show so far. So there's Layla, there's Donna, there's some of Mark Harrow's henchmen working as um, psychiatric like, hospital guards. Yeah. So it's very, very meta. And during a meeting with with uh, Harrow where, where um, Mark is on his meds, he, or sorry, not Mark, uh, Grant. No, Mark. It no, is Mark Spector. Wait. No, no, no. He rescues Steven. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's Mark. <laughs> um, so after escaping from Harrow, uh, he appear, uh, who appears as a therapist in the hospital, he's the one running the hospital, which is perfect. Uh, Mark finds Grant in a separate body trapped in a sarcophagus. They run past another sarcophagus with somebody banging on the door, but they didn't open it. And they end up running into a giant hippopotamus head figure who seems really sweet <laughs> named Tower Tawaret? Tawaret? I can't pronounce it. <laughs> Tawaret? Tawaret. Yeah. Okay. And that's I where looked the... it I looked it up. Everyone's pronouncing it differently. Uh it's can also be spelled T-A-U-R. So I think Tawaret is like the closest. All right, somebody Correct. dig up an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! and let's settle mm. this once and for all. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> She's in there somewhere. <laughs> but that is the episode. And I, I I figured it would be a quick recap. Like, not a lot happens. There's It's basically just, it starts off as a, a Tomb Raider style, you know, action episode. And then it ends on a very meta note, which is, you know, them waking up in the psychiatric hospital. So what are the first impressions of episode four? Uh, so... Tarot's ears are the cutest damn ears <laughs> in all of Egypt. Um, and that smile. I can't wait. I cannot wait to see more of this hippo. This hippo god. I don't know what the heck is going on. But that's super interesting. How? I feel like Michael knows a lot about Egyptian mythology. Not a lot. No, no. No? Okay. No. And I have read, I've read all, like not all of, but most of the comics from 2012 on. And I... I have such a bad memory. I don't remember exactly what happened, but um, can I just give you my impression of the, because I, I haven't reviewed the first four episodes with you guys, but can I give an impression of my the show in general? <laughs> I Yes, but I, I oh. have a feeling, I have a feeling you're going to agree with us, but you go for it. Well, here's the thing is this version of Moon Knight, we, you know, with Mr. Knight and with, um, with, uh, with the God, what's the, what's the main God's name with like the B? Conchu. Conchu. That visual was sort of from 2012 on, right? Um, Warren Ellis wrote it, and I, I was it Declan? I can't remember the artist's name. Declan oh, Shelby. There you go, Declan Shelby. He kind of visualized all that stuff, and then later on, it would have been, um, I think it was Brian Wood, Colin Bunn writing, and then Jeff Lemire, and then Greg Smallwood uh, on art. And so all, the, all this whole interpretation comes from their run, but I feel like they have all the elements there the tone is all completely wrong and it's like it's like you know if you had dials on everything like the humor the adventure the mystery the horror all the dials are at the wrong position it feels like and to me you have everything there that you need but through the music and the editing and the directing and the pacing everything feels wrong to me it feels off and, and the so writing for, and yeah, well, yeah. And, <laughs> and so, for example, in this episode, like it's almost like an Indiana Jones type thing, where they're in this, um, you know, uh, whatever it's called, sarcophagus or whatever. It just feels like there's never a moment, like when you're watching Indiana Jones, you feel the visceral, like the mystery of exploring, and then you feel the fear when something comes out of the dark, and then when a bad guy shows up. But in this movie, it feels like everything's there, but it's almost like you're watching it from a distance, and you're not really in it. You're not really feeling it, and it's really frustrating because th then when the when Conchu shows up, you you see the visual. The visual is great, but then he talks, and it's like, well, it's kind of like Bane, but funny, and like the the vocals not spooky. It's almost comedic, right? Um, what he says is not. It's almost like comical, right? Like what Conchu says is never really like a riddle or mystery or scary. It's kind of just information and it, i don't know it just feels like it doesn't really click and so for example i'm watching picard right now picard has some of the worst writing i've ever seen in television okay moon knight is not like that at all it's not he like hasn't seen heroes season two then okay i've only <laughs> seen a couple episodes of heroes but with with um with picard it's like you can watch it and go that is stupid that is stupid that is stupid with moon knight i feel like i'm it's kind of like i'm hypnotized by it and i'm i'm not hating it when i'm watching it but it's like you said, Brent, you get to the end of the episode and you're like, what? Did anything happen? Like, what? what like, there's no, no, there's no story beats to talk about because it feels like nothing happened. And even when there's a big reveal 
like finding out that um, Stephen Grant might have killed the girl's father, it doesn't come in a way that really hits you. It's kind of just, it's almost like it, the information falls out, but it doesn't hit you when it comes out, you know? So that's, so this episode just feels like all the other ones. It just feels off to me, you know? I, I mean, you did message me, Brent, and say, did this one save the rest of the episodes? I, I will agree with you, yes, it did. But then I will also agree with Michael and say, it still feels like the other ones. It's just better than the other ones. It's not good. Well, it's not great. But it's better than the other ones. I think I was feeling dramatic when I when I texted that to you. I think it's the it best of the... It was 3 a.m. It was late. It, I, it was the best of the four episodes, but it's still, like, not great. It's mildly positive. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think... I think it's mildly positive based off of the fact that they gave us something new, which is like a Tomb Raider style episode, which was thematically a little different, which was nice. I was just sick of the stuff coming from before. And then it gave us that meta, almost meta twist at the end with the last few minutes of the episode. So I think that's that is why I'm interested in it. But I, I agree with you what you said back to me, which is you still have more questions. And I agree that it left it answered no questions. It just gave us more questions. Yeah. <laughs> like um uh jeff who messiah complex cosplay who we had on uh a couple episodes ago no last episode right mm -hmm. yeah oh last episode it, it just we're losing time i'm losing time between mm -hmm. episodes um so one episode ago uh he messaged me almost immediately after he watched the show and was like uh what <laughs> and i expressed the same sentiment i was like you know what i have a lot more questions now Remember those questions that we were like, they got to wrap that up in three episodes. How are they going to do it? Well, here's the thing. They squandered one opportunity to answer any of them and then created a whole new world of questions. One being, cool, you've wrapped up Khonshu. They've wrapped up Khonshu in a Shabti. They are not going to attempt to rescue him at all. And now he's in a room a tomb, a catacomb, if you will, full of Shabtis. Mm -hmm. So who are they? <laughs> but also, like, do we care? Ugh. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Osiris is in there just collecting them. Yeah. Now what? <laughs> See, here's the thing. Like, for me, I'm not even, I'm not even dissecting the plot twists. I'm more like... I, it's almost like I'm more analyzing how I'm feeling when I'm watching it. And for mm -hmm. example, at the end of this episode, when he kind of wakes up in the insane asylum, that's almost like Jeff Lemire's whole run from what I remember. And, you know, this trick has been done in movies before. In fact, wasn't there an episode of Buffy where she woke up in an insane asylum or something? Right. Yep. And even though you you that was like season six or whatever it was, even though you know that can't be the truth, there's a part of you that goes, maybe she is in an insane asylum. Maybe the whole show is in her head because they they trick you enough, just enough to suspend your disbelief and go, I'm going to believe this episode's premise for, for the next 45 minutes. I'm going to believe maybe the whole show was in her head. But in this episode, when you get to the end, it just feels so artificial. It just feels like, oh, well, this is obviously artificial. Like the walls are all white. It looks artificial. Ethan Hawke's acting doesn't change enough to make you think that he's a different character who's like 
trying to convince Mark Spector that he's insane. He's just acting like Ethan Hawke. So <laughs> the moment he goes into this thing, you're like, oh, well, this is all fake. This is just another illusion. And then with the hippopotamus thing at the end, you're like, oh, yeah, well, obviously it's, it's an illusion. But I would have liked a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, maybe this really is in his head. Maybe this whole show is in his head. But you never get that feeling because it's like they don't sell it well enough, you know? I thought maybe it was all in the head for about 30 seconds. And then I realized just through, like, typical camera beats, like, they weren't, it wasn't a skilled enough, like you said, they, they weren't skilled enough to pull the wool over my eyes, I feel like. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, it's like they took the whole premise of the an entire run and they did it in two minutes, a minute. Right. And it was, unfortunately, it was the most satisfying part of the episode and like kind of dissatisfying at the same time. Because they did like they did it and it started happening. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to they're going to do it. And then he falls out of his chair holding a Moon Knight doll. And it's like. And parts of the scenery start becoming the tomb. I was like, oh, okay. They're just like not like it started the they started to crumble and fall apart around him much faster than I anticipated that it would start doing that. Uh, and then he started coming out of his like medicated coma, his his vegetable state, whatever they had sedated him with that caused him to drool in that way. Like it just it was just so quick. It's like they're trying to do too much or give us too much because they realize they only have two episodes left to clear it up. So episode five must be just chock full of exposition. It must be just full of explanations. Somehow Khonshu's going to get out. Like, I don't even... You're working with two more episodes. Like, are you going to end on, like, no resolution? Which, I mean, I, I just... I don't, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of this series. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, I don't know which series I'm more tired of. This one or Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Like, at this point, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier was, like, sort of police was procedurally adjacent. Uh, it, it knew what it was. I knew what it was. There was no... This, it's like, I should I should I went in knowing maybe what it could be. And I really, you know, fourth episode in, have no clue what's happening. I don't know what to feel about it. I know how I should have felt about it. Um, the excitement that could possibly happen, and it's, like, not happening. It, it's so, okay. Mike, you're going to say something? Well, well, you can finish. Oh, well, I was going to cut to a scene where it did almost happen, that feeling. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> When they're in Egypt and they're in a tomb and they're witnessing, like, I think it's, uh, the, are they watching somebody prepare a body for mummification? Or is this person just like, is this demon or, or supernatural being like eating somebody in the afterlife? I, I can't remember what they explained that to be, but like that tomb raidy part was probably the best. I don't think they explained it. I, I come to think that I have no idea where those undead priests come from. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Visually frightening. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna go for a horror now. Okay, I'm into this. Let's do this. And it got like scary for a second. Like the visuals kind of got creepy and scary. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought they were going to give us like a full loaded Tomb Raider experience. Tomb Raider slash Indiana Jones uh, and the Temple of Doom, not the other ones. Wait, yeah, Temple of Doom, yeah, because Temple of Doom was the one where he pulls the heart out of his chest. Right. Yeah. yeah, that one frightened me as a kid. That one, I thought they were going to give us that, and I started feeling those emotions, and then shot one bullet, shot them away. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, here's the thing. Like, oh, it's like, uh, geez, mm-hmm. I had a point. But um, like I I feel like with with this show, if you look at say Wandavision, I, I still think Wandavision did it best, even though some people didn't like it. I can't figure out why. Yeah. But they started out with, because you know when you have a premise for a show and it's a mystery, you want to start out in the most, like in in the point of the story or the or the or the direction of the story that's the most the most questions are asked. So with Wandavision, you start with her in the sitcom, right? And then you give clues, like you hear someone calling her name, and then you see these little weird things happening, like the woman choking and blah, blah, blah. And like Vision, I don't remember all the clues, but right, they would leave these little clues. And mm-hmm. then the next episode, there'll be a few more clues. With this show, they kind of did it right by starting with Stephen Grant, right? And then having little flashes of Mark Spector. But now it makes me wonder if maybe they should have started with him in the insane asylum so that you could kind of go back and forth for the whole show and wonder, well, which one is real, right? That would have been better to me. And, and then may, maybe it'd be Insane Asylum, then Stephen Grant, then Mark Spector. And like Mark Spector is like the big reveal in like episode three or something or something like that. I'm just trying to think of the way they could have done it a little bit better. And like, it's almost like they needed another draft to take all these ideas and reorganize them into a better draft, you know? Mm-hmm. So that would have... That would have been cool, actually, Mike. That's a good suggestion. Like, I think if they if they were clever enough to run these stories parallel, that would have been a really interesting reveal of what time, what scenario is the actual reality that we're living in. That would have been really cool. I, man, I don't know. <laughs> this is not. I, I like I said. I think episode five is going to be a ton of exposition, and then episode six, they're going to stop the rise of Amit? Question mark. Is that even the point? I don't. Right. It's not clear to me, but I'm going to assume that's the that's the goal of the end of this season. And thankfully, it's actually a limited series. Thank God. So. <laughs> you mean like they they definitely said there's going to be no season two, or they nominated they uh, submitted it to a category for a limited series. I forget which award show. Mm-hmm. So to me, I assume that means they're not going to do anything about it. Which I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with because like Moon Knight is associated with a ton of other different Marvel. Um, superheroes anyways like I'm more interested to see him interact later on in some sort of crossover you know with like you know I think he he kind of deals with a lot of the mercenaries right like Daredevil and and others like I, I I'm interested in seeing that it's it would be really hmm it's like how would he fit into a world with Charlie Cox just visually Charlie Cox is Daredevil because right He's Daredevil. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, to be honest, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, they're, they're all going to eventually interact, but I still would rather them. Like, I, I, I pre- the one thing I appreciate about Marvel is they try to make all the characters be a different genre. That's the, one of their strengths, right? So this mm-hmm. is now a new thing. This is like a combination of Indiana Jones with, um, 
I don't know what, but you know what I mean. It's a little little bit of Batman. A look, they, they used to accuse Moon Knight of being Marvel's Batman ripoff. But like there's a little bit of Batman. But now with the multiple personalities and the Egyptian gods and all that, it's become this other thing. And I do appreciate what they're trying to do, but it just feels like, again, they're, going, they're falling back on that trap of, and I've always felt this about Disney Marvel, is they're doing a imitation of the genre. They're not doing the genre good. Like with Winter Soldier, they, Winter Soldier was a fairly good simulation of a political thriller from the 70s. But like, and I don't want to keep going back to Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight, but when you're watching those, like the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises, you're not thinking about other movies that they're imitating. You're just enveloped in the movie you're watching. Whereas in this movie, you're like, oh, there's Tomb Raider. <clears throat> there's a little bit of this. There's a little bit of that. Now they're doing this. But you're not in it. You know what I mean? Totally. That's what I feel like. Yeah. You're just, it's a simulation. Almost like a skit. Yeah. And I feel like we were really excited at when it has first started. And that's, that's the general feeling that we got. Is that we were in something. But there... But we didn't know what. And now it feels like that magic is gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, that's, and, and I just want to say that's kind of what happened to WandaVision towards the end. Is once the mystery was all revealed, it became more of a typical Marvel show. Right? Yeah. And of course you had those fanboys. The first three episodes sucked. Only the last few were good. I'm like, oh my God, you have it so backwards. Right? Mm-hmm. It just became formula at the end, you know? And now that's what's happening with Moon Knight is the mystery has gone. So there's nothing left. Well, there wasn't even a very engaging mystery to start with because they didn't right. set it up well. <laughs> right. No, it's like they gave us five mysteries and they it became it was like a, it's like a, it feels like a choose your own adventure where mm-hmm. we are witnessing three paths to your adventure all at the same time. And I don't want to take any of those paths. <laughs> no, I just want to close the book and pick up my babysitter's club novels or maybe a Fear Street. Hey, if I'm feeling a little sassy, Christopher Pike is kind of a little more, a little more scary and less like sexed up for like YA horror novels. <laughs> yes. Good morning, everybody. Jolie is here to talk about Christopher Pike. <laughs> Don't get her started. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Okay, so two episodes left. We don't know where this is going. We definitely know that they're going to be in Egypt. Or not. Actually, no, we don't know. <laughs> they, they're probably going to be in the asylum again. Yeah. Um, if you've read... Oh, and oh, do you know I should say thank you, Mike L., for all the comic context. Yes. Well, I mean, I wish I could give more. Um, I, re- I read all the Moon Knight in the last 10 years, but I don't remember them. <laughs> I just remember the tone, mm-hmm. and I remember really enjoying it. Like, it's one of the very few Marvel comics that I've bought consistently for, like, almost, you know, eight nine years so it's really good i recommend it if you ever get a chance to if, if you're gonna read moon knight i mean unfortunately do not go back to the beginning unless you want the bill sinkevich artwork from the 70s that's good but really you should just start with the 2012 warren ellis reboot even though warren ellis is a sexual predator besides that his writing is really good not a sexual predator he's a groomer he's a sexual groomer but anyway we'll oh. talk. yeah <laughs> we are we are nothing if not controversial queens here at the full volume <laughs> podcast just calling people out on their shit <laughs> expose I mean, them and then yeah. let the view and let the listener decide whether or not they want to support the art <laughs> or you can just find it online like i do when i want to read my comics that are backlog i started reading x-men from the beginning Ooh. oh man 
Where's That's... our podcast? Where's our X Men podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I have to. They're gonna make me start going back to work soon. Ah, uh, but now uh, you, yeah. when you say beginning, do you mean Giant Size number one, or you mean X Men number one by Stanley and Jack Kirby? I mean 1963 September 1st, Stanley Jack Kirby. Oh. A lot of use of the word broad and dame. Yeah, of course. Ugh. Now, to be um, fair, uh, I, 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 a couple. Can I just? Can we go on a tangent for a minute here? Uh, we do tangents on this show. Yes, that's all Absolutely. we do. Because okay. <laughs> three years ago, I was like, I'm gonna read every Stanley comic ever written, and I started with like Fantastic Four. I mean, not not the 50s stuff, but I started with Fantastic Four number one, and I went month by month. So. Fantastic Four was okay, but now I'm reading weird stuff like Ant-Man before he was Ant-Man because he appeared as Henry Pym first, then he was Ant-Man, then he was Giant-Man, blah, blah, blah. And like the early Thor run where it was some artist I've never heard of uh, after Jack Kirby left for a while, those first couple years of Marvel are very uneven, like so rough, so hard to get through. I would say even on Fantastic Four, it's very rough for the first three solid years, right? So if you're reading X-Men, as far as I remember, Stanley and Jack Kirby only did a year or so. So it's going to get worse, okay? Because eventually Roy Thomas is going to take over and it is bad for a long time until you get to about maybe number 50 and then Neil Adams comes in, it's a little bit better. But I, Yeah, I think I might be in the Roy era, actually. I think I finished the early Jack and Stan stuff and it's just, yeah... But like I, I'm gaining a, an appreciation for a lot of the references you see later on in, in X-Men media, whether it's the TV show or the movies or artwork, whatever. Like I'm, there's a lot of like early, early references that I didn't realize were that early. Right. Um, so in that sense, I'm kind of appreciating it. It's giving me a point of reference. But man, all I got to say is I can't wait till I hit giant size because this is... <laughs> I know it's tough. Not loving it. The other thing, too, is with, with these Silver Age comics, because I, I do love the art, but the, with the writing, I find I can read one and enjoy it. <clears throat> There's no way you can marathon. You can't go, oh, I'm going to read 10 issues of 60s X-Men. There is no way. No one has the endurance for that, you know? No. Not uh, even the untouchable Eunice. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, deep cuts, thing. deep cuts. <laughs> But anyway, that's cool. Props to you. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I just want to get to Storm and Banshee and Colossus and Wolverine. And right. then actually before this too, I, I read the entire um, uh, Extinction Agenda. Because nice. I was like, man, I want to like read crossover events. And so I was reading like New Mutants and all this stuff. And um, I just want to get to those big sagas that I, you know... I only, like, I know from the cartoon a lot, and I know them in broad strokes from the comics, but I, I need the artwork. I need it, like, hitting me in the face, you know? I need it. <laughs> so. Now, have you ever read the early Chris Claremont issues by Dave Cocker and John Byrne? Have you ever read those? Like, Dark Phoenix? Um, the only Claremont I've read is Dark Phoenix. I think you're, I mean, they're also dated in their own way, but you're going to enjoy them because... That's where Probably. all of the popular stories come from, right? Dark Phoenix, uh, the Mirror Island Saga, uh, Days of Future Past, all that stuff. Oh, I th I've read Days of Future Past as well, too. Okay. But yeah. Um, no, I, I generally like Claremont, and I like... I know this. he's not responsible for this, but I, I love the, um, the late 80s costumes, specifically 
the the storm one that nobody ever shouts out to it's after her punk phase but before her jim lee white phase it's that black costume with just the bolts yeah 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 i know that was good yeah sleek simple shiny (laughs) i love it so i don't know i i just love that era i'm a sucker for that era okay i got one more shout out and then i'll shut up if you really love chris claremont um, there's two um, websites I have to give a shout out to. One is this really weirdly titled website called The Real Gentleman of Leisure or The Gentleman of Leisure. If you search that, they review every single X-Men, I believe starting at giant size number one. And they go all the way through X-Men, New Mutants, X-Factor, Excalibur, all the way through. It's the best text reviews of X-Men I've ever found. Okay, So The Real Gentleman of Leisure. And then there's a Twitter feed. I think it's called, I'll find it right now. I think it's called the Claremont Run, but I'll find it right now. And it's one—it's like, the thing about, you know, you can make fun of uh, Chris Claremont, you can make fun of X-Men, but Chris Claremont takes himself seriously. And this Twitter feed analyzes, it's almost like he's not analyzing X-Men for what it is. He's, X-Men, he's analyzing X-Men for what Chris Claremont thinks it is. Because these these analyses are so lofty. It's called the Claremont Run at at Claremont Run on Twitter. And um, if you don't appreciate Claremont X Men, this will make you appreciate Claremont X Men. It's very mm. very scholarly. So part of my I keep stumbling over my words because I just woke up thirty six minutes ago. But anyway, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, check I those mean, out. It's a perfect way to cap off an episode review of Moon Knight. Is that we would rather be reviewing anything else at this point? Yeah. <laughs> But also, shout out to Oscar Isaac. He's doing a great job. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, so is... Oh, one more... Yeah, the actress. What's her name? I have it right here. You know, the... Uh, she plays his uh, wife, Mark's wife, Layla. May L. Callum... Callum Can't really pronounce that properly. Sorry. But yeah, she's great, too. I, mm-hmm. like... Uh, the, the, le- yeah, let's just give a shout out to acting. Not you, Ethan Hawke. But the yeah. others... <laughs> Mm. He was, I didn't hate him in the first two episodes but now I'm like okay you're just you're hawking everywhere but yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we should probably cap cap this off with our a rating out of five Aurorets uh, how do you say it again the hippo Toweret Tow- I'm sorry I forgot the T at the beginning I, was like, her name, I think her name starts with a T sorry Toweret uh, out of five what do you mm. give it Ooh, this one's this better than the last episode, which I gave two shop teas out of five. <laughs> um, so I give this one three and a half towerettes, the half being the alligator portion mm-hmm. of her body um, out of five. Okay, three and a half. Mike? I can only give it <clears throat> maybe two. Again, I did not hate this, but I did not love any episode. I don't love any of it. So, two. Okay. I, I was going to do a three as well, <laughs> Jolie. So, yeah, we're right in between there. We're, we're mostly, you know, if, if Bex was on the show, maybe we'd see some more <laughs> range in our scores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trash queen shout out. <laughs> oh, man. She, she, I love how she always has a descending opinion. I love that. It yeah. made that it made our upcoming Spider-Man episode very juicy for you listeners. <laughs> yeah, if you have a descending opinion, dissenting opinion, you can definitely send it to where we will 
filter it out at full volume podcast at gmail.com full volume pod at gmail.com uh, you can also find this at all of the comic book syndicate networks podcasts like the one that mike l has joined us from uh he actually joins us from two other podcasts actually the here comes the spider cast and flea market fantasy where yep. they uh where they review in reading order Reading order? Flea Market Fantasy? No, Spider-Cast. Oh, here comes the Spider-Cast is reading order of the 80s, yes. Every single Spidey comic in chronological order, for the most part. And right now we're into the 86? 88. 88, okay. 88. 80, ooh, I'm on that podcast. I yeah, don't even know where it. we are. Yeah. Um, and then Flea Market Fantasy is just, you know, one one review of one back issue. Yeah, random from, 70s or 80s, yep. From the 70s or 80s. Uh, and that also has co-host Mike Dell from the LCS Radio podcast from yep. Pennsylvania. I yep. realize I never talk about full volume, I mean, a flea market fantasy. We have two F podcasts. Um, yeah, so you can find all of those things on our website, www.comicbooksyndicate.com. I'd like to thank Mike L for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. I mean, again, I know that I'm not at my best because I just woke up, but this is a good discussion. I'm glad I got a chance to talk about the show. I think <laughs> this podcast works best when it's just like unfiltered, just like shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's kind of how we handle it. Yeah. It makes it makes the uh, 9 a.m. wake up call much easier to handle. Mm -hmm. More relaxed. Um and as always, my beautiful, radiant, effervescent co-host, Harvey Brent. Slash part-time figure painting artiste. Yes. Yeah. You got to show Mike that picture I sent you after. I will. I was yeah. like, once I find my phone wherever I threw it, <laughs> I will show him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, again, join us next week for season episode five hey i'm here for hope so maybe it'll get better i know that oscar isaac will always do good so yeah yeah um, i love you oski yes i love him yeah he's great uh until next time keep it loud keep it at full volume bye-bye bye, -bye. bye.